Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Welcome to episode 26 of the Break 80 Podcast. I'm joined with the uh, the crew of Mike and Tim, and we're going to start things a little bit different here. We've got an interview with Clay Casera. He's a caddy who, um, you know, one of the wildest stories in sport, it shouldn't spoil in golf, but could be in sports even, um, came out this last week. Mike's going to touch in a little bit of giving us a preview of kind of what that story is going into this um, interview with him. And then we will actually wrap up our podcast at the very end, coming back to talk about some other housekeeping items. So here's the story. Mike's going to kind of lay it out for you before we get into our interview with Clayton. Yeah, this last week or two on the um, on Twitter, mainly you saw Twitter blow up a little bit. Um, and the Fire Pit Collective did a story on it and the Monday qualifying guy about this cheating scandal at a pre-qualifying event for the Corn Ferry Tour by a 35 year old journeyman who has, according to him, what was that, Tim? 36 hole in ones he claims to have? 36. Including eight on par fours, which there's only been one in PGA Tour history on par fours. And supposedly almost all of these hole in ones are on like blind kind of tee shots where, where nobody's been able to really witness it. Um, But yeah, there was a, it was a big story all over social media here. This, um, this guy who was cheating to try to get into the next stage of the uh, corn fairy tour. And we have clay on to kind of give us the first hand account because he was caddying in the group. So uh, this will be a great listen for you. If you are interested in scandals. And, and Clayton is one of us. He's from Minnesota. Um, I think grew up in Chaska. So we've got the connection there and he does a great job of giving us the first hand account. And uh, yeah, it is a, it is a wild story and he can kind of, dive into things that nobody else, you know, saw firsthand. So it's a good interview. Enjoy it. Um, and we'll come back after the interview and, and wrap things up. We are here with Clayton Casera, who had a front row seat to one of the most bizarre golf stories I think I've ever heard. Um, Clayton, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us this evening. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Well, in the story we're about to talk about, Clay happened to be, in the, uh, happened to be a caddy on it, but uh, he's a dang good player his own right, being one of us. Minnesotan. He won the 2019 State Am here in Minnesota, which is a pretty prestigious local event. Clay, what do you remember from that whole experience? Um, it's a crazy week. I was actually fortunate enough to play at Spring Hill um, the day before heading down to Summerby, so we got off to a good note. Um, and then, yeah, I was just really comfortable. I played a practice round out there a few weeks prior, um, and I just remember making a bunch of birdies, even, you know, playing a couple balls, but just getting some looks. Um so it was just comfortable once I stepped onto the property. Uh, the first day, it was windy. It was tough. Kind of hung around. Um, ball striking was really solid, and I think I shot one under um, in the opening round. So no one was, I think opening round might have been three under, was leading. Um, so just kind of kept myself in the tournament. And then uh, day two was special. I was staying at a house with some buddies, and we had some side action. So opened up. Um, with four birdies right out of the gate, which is always a fun way to start around. Um, and then I was cruising. And then after I hit my tee shot, 18 was my ninth hole of the day. Um, we got called in for a rain delay. And that's when, you know, names up on the leaderboard. So there's a little buzz in the clubhouse and locker room. Um, so that went on for about an hour and a half. Um, just kind of stayed calm. I was hanging out with a buddy down in the locker room. And I didn't really tell him what had happened um, prior to the rain delay. So it was just a good way to keep myself and my mind relaxed. Um, I went out after the rain delay, made another birdie, and then I birdied 10. So eight birdies and 10 holes um, was quite quite the run. Wow. And, I, yeah, I tell most people I, I think I won that golf tournament in about two and a half, three hours. So 
it was yeah special special event special week i'll never never forget um and obviously the final day playing against van holmgren um uh, absolute stud and then andrew israelson so to go head to head with those two guys um was a challenge that i was looking forward to and i was able to finish the week strong so it was, it was special that's pretty cool i'm assuming you take some of that playing um experience into your caddying tell us a little bit about about your background in caddying something you've done for a while something that you're just getting started in yeah so i've been lucky enough um grew up obviously in chaska so i spent most of my time at the chaska town course um and when i was really young i was lucky enough to get an opportunity to go caddy to hazeltine um so i'm now I believe in my 10th season at Hazeltine, um, just spoiled, you know, a lot of great guys out there um, and just took full advantage of the opportunity I was given. So, yeah, that's just kind of led into a, a new interest of mine. Um, I like to figure out how to play a golf course, you know, when I'm chasing my own ball, but also how can I help someone else kind of dissect a golf course? Um, and there's just things like obviously reading greens and just advice, obviously, being a good helper or being a good golf helps. Um, but there's also the mental aspect that you're just able to keep a player calm throughout tough situations. And I think that's what really shined um, down in Nebraska, just trying to de-escalate the whole situation and make sure my guy, Andrew, uh, got through the first stage. How do you and Andrew know each other out of curiosity? Andrew uh, Knox so is the guy we're talking about, by the way. That, yeah, right? Is that how you say the yeah. last name? Okay. Yeah, he uh, pronounces it knee. Um, okay. yeah, so Andrew and I met a few years back, um, we were playing college golf, um, at two different JUCOs. So we met at the national championship and we were both getting recruited to go out to Colorado state Pueblo. Um, so we both just graduated in May from Colorado state Pueblo and he decided to go chase the dream a little bit. And I was just kind of in a position to give a helping hand. So that's how we kind of came together this past week in Nebraska. Well, nice. Let's set this uh, the setting. It's uh, Corey Oaks, I think, in Ashla, Ashland, Nebraska. Um, you're caddying for Andrew, who is trying to is it pre qualify for the Corn Ferry Q, uh, Q School? Is that correct? correct? Yep. So this okay. is pre qualifying. Yep. It's the final round um, of three rounds. You and Andrew are paired with Grant Hafner, maybe how you say it, um, and then the main character of this whole story, Matt Miraz. Um, going to that final round, were you and Andrew aware that? This Matt character, Matt Ross guy, in the second round, some people had told the officials that there was some suspicious behavior, or is this something that you just had zero clue on going into it? Uh, we had no idea about the previous day and what that brought. So went in kind of blindfolded, and turns out we were able to see a little bit more of it. Okay. Yeah, I was curious on that. So you had, you had zero idea. Like you just met the guy like anybody else you've played with, caddy, same thing. What was your first impression of him? Of that of that group, yeah, he was a great guy. Um, really nice. Obviously, met him on the first tee, and then just kind of got into the round. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, he's a chatty guy, so we were able to hit it off on things a little bit. He played hockey growing up. I played hockey, so that's an easy connection to make, and just kind of talk about um, similarities like that. So yeah, nothing nothing too strange. Um, and then yeah, the fifth hole, I just started to get that first um, kind of suspicious vibe. Um, and that's where things took off. So I've got well, that scorecard up right now too. And Jeff, yeah. I don't know if you want to jump into the story, but it looked like even par going into number five. So just straight pars and then number, number five happens. For the day, I yeah. think. Even par for the day. For right? the day. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yep. So he was obviously inside the cut line at the time. So I think he started around just like anyone would have wanted to um, just make some pars and ease into it. Um, so we get up to the fifth hole. We all hit our tee shots. Andrew and Grant are in the middle of the fairway. Um, so the three of us are just kind of chatting a little bit. Well, Matt and his caddy are just behind our left shoulder over by this one tree. Um, so he kind of has to hit this punch shot for whatever reason there wasn't like low hanging branches or whatever. I just think his, his swing was uh, affected by the tree. So I stopped watching it once it bounced 45 yards short of the green. Um, and I knew it was going to go into 
some thick rough that was still wet. I think it was about 9.15 at the time. So, you know, when you're just – you're caddying or playing in that situation, you're obviously so concerned about what you're doing on the golf course um, that you just kind of let guys do their own thing, just knowing or hoping that they're, they're going to do the right thing. Um, so he started to walk up the left side while the three of us were still in the ferry, which I thought was odd, you know <laughs> – I'm all about pace of play. Like, let's keep moving. Let's have a good yeah. time, but not feel like we're running around. Um, so when a guy gets probably 80, 90 yards ahead of us, it, it was strange. Um, and then, yeah, we, we hit our shots. Everyone was walking up. I think all, well, two balls were on the green and one was in the cup. So um, <laughs> we're, we're walking up and then he just started celebrating and he's like, Oh, like, uh, his caddies, Andy, he said, oh, just like, go grab my phone. Let's take a video. Um, and I was like, not going to be rude. Like gave the dude a high five. I was like, sweet, like good Eagle. Let's kind of hope this mojo just carries on throughout the day and everyone plays well. And, you know, um, hopefully everyone gets through. So yeah, we, we kind of shook it off right away. I stayed back. Um, I stood greenside for probably 30, 40 seconds as everyone else was walking to the six T just trying to figure out the physics um, of how this golf ball could have gone in. Um, and I remember it stood out to me when he made a joke, there's a group of turkeys towards the front edge of the green. Um, and he, he makes a joke about maybe kicking off one of the turkeys. Um, so I thought that was a little strange and that definitely caught my attention. Um, but I figured it's early in the round. I don't want to bother any of the guys. Um, I just want everyone to keep playing. Um, and doing their thing. So we went on, we were walking down the sixth fairway and I turned to Andrew um, and I just said, Hey buddy, I want to bring this to your attention just in case it comes up after the round. Like I, I don't think Matt hold out on the last hole for an eagle. Um, so let's just, let's keep playing golf. Let's focus on your stuff right now, your game. Um, and we'll worry about it later. So he was cool with that. And then we just, we kind of yeah, walked down the sixth hole Um and yeah, things just kept going on. So after that, it looks like a, a series of pars kind Hold of on transpired. One Hold on one second. I just want to sure. just, just check in one more thing. So do you, do you, I mean, knowing that you basically said like, it, I mean, do you, are you saying like basically how almost had to be impossible for it to go in? I mean, just where the ball was and where, I mean, was there any chance that that actually could have gone in? Or, and if it didn't, what, do you think he just walked by, picked up his ball and then dropped it in the cup? Um. I mean, the line it was on was towards the pin. The pin was 34 paces on. I mean, there's a ridge in the middle that you would have had to get around or whatever. And then, like I said, the rough was, you know, a few inches long and thick. I just, any punch shot's going to get caught up in that thick rough, given that situation, especially we're still going uphill. I think the fifth hole played uphill about 11 yards from the fairway. So they're just... There wasn't enough momentum from what I saw when, once he hit the golf ball. There was no chance that golf yeah. ball was going to reach a back left hand. So, so highly unlikely. Correct. I'd give it about a 2% chance. So whole, whole seven here, that's the one that got him DQ'd probably, right? Coming up. Uh, yeah, it's obviously a big part of it. Um, so, yeah, seven. Andrew hits one up the left. Um, we saw it bounce and then it, it kind of kicked into some shit. Um, and then Matt hit last grants in the middle of the fairway common trend with grant dude was a good dude and a great stick. So, um, poor grants just kind of going back and forth, trying to find everyone's golf balls. Um, but yeah, I noticed Matt's up the right side. Um, and we had been on that side of the fairway, the few holes or a few days prior. So I knew what it was like over there. Um, and obviously we were worried about finding our golf ball. So I didn't walk over there. Um, and the spotter was up the right side. So he marked it with a flag and then he, he came over towards us cause he saw two bounces as well. And then said it kind of disappeared from his angle. So, um, that's when I noticed Matt was walking over to help us find our golf ball, which was nice. Um, but his caddy stayed over there and I thought, okay, that, not out of the ordinary because even you know there's been situations where i've been like i can't help um so i'm just going to kind of do my thing make sure that my number's good so when my player gets back we're ready to go um so yeah we just we got up to the green 
Grant just wanted to kind of clarify where everyone was at, what we're, what are we laying for? Um, and that's when Matt's like, oh, I got a birdie look just off the fringe. Um, and I figured with a left-hander, that's just probably was obviously in the hazard or close to it or swing was going to be messed up anyways, or any way possible. I just, I, I had doubt. I mean, it's a 175 yard shot uphill and just into some breeze. So I was impressed. Um, that's when he made, he made another kind of weird comment that stuck with me and he, he made note that there was mud on his ball. Like it was just coming out of the hazard and just like clearly said something that this, now this is the second time um, that he's had to clarify just to make it seem more real. Um, so those guys were finishing up on the green and I just kind of walked down the fairway about 40 yards, waved down the spotter and said, Hey, is, is this possible? Like you saw his ball. Could he have advanced it to the green? Um, I, I just kind of have a weird feeling about this guy. And I just figured let's kind of bring it to their attention. Um, so that <laughs> obviously I'm going to go back to me playing hockey growing up. Um, this is when we're walking to the eighth tee box and he gets clever at this point. I kind of turn around to him and I'm kind of a sarcastic guy. So, so I'm like, Hey man, like this has been kind of special to see like the Eagle on five was really, really unique. And now this par on seven, like, I don't know how you're doing it, but just kind of keep it up like fun to watch. Right. Um, and then, yeah, eight tee box, he hits his tee shot on the par three and drops to the ground with a back injury. So <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that. He had multiple back injuries, didn't he? Like multiple times. Um, yeah, he was down on the ground. Basically, I would say every hole for for the next ten holes. Um, <laughs> at one point. Um, so that that started to get old, and then that's when I made the comment on 16. Um, I wasn't trying to be a, a dick to the guy because he's still trying to compete. I'm not trying to mess with him or anything, but. Andrew hadn't hit his tee shot yet, and he's in the middle of the tee box laying down, and I'm just like, hey, I need to get my guy to the clubhouse right now. We don't need any more. The show's over. Like, come on. So his caddy wasn't fond of that. He did mention something after the round. I felt like an asshole in case he was actually hurt. I don't think we'll ever know um, if he was or not, which is unfortunate. And if he is, I hope I hope he recovers. But, yeah, it's – uh yeah you it's gotta strange. give you gotta give people the benefit of the doubt but tim tim you're you're a self-claimed cheater right do you, do you always do the um do you always do like the the little comment before you like after you cheat to like kind of like you know make your conscious like you're not no no if you're if if you're gonna if you're gonna lie you you, you do it small and you don't do it frequent you you want to be quiet so you want to <laughs> so this guy's make used up too many yep you don't want to you don't want to make a scene and um you know my my personal cheating is usually just the the anywhere from 16 to 18 clubs in the bag but uh <laughs> it's really just my emotional support club or two um well ironically enough he ends up holding out on the 18th green kind of like he chips in right which means he's under the cut line so i mean obviously you're probably in the same situation where you're like i'm excited for the guy you know like but at the same time you're like god this is almost like this is kind of like bullshit a little bit right you know, because he's, you have these doubts, and it's like watching him do that is just kind of icing on the cake of the of the week. Um, and then it sings like the five of you, because I think one guy did not have a caddy, correct? Correct. All right, so yeah, so you you five kind of hashed it out with the um, with the uh, rules official, and then somehow you end up in a in an SUV on a on a drive somewhere. Do you want to talk about that a little bit on the as the as the round wrapped up? Yeah. Uh, before I want to get to that real quick, because. Obviously, the chip in on 18 meant something to him and the the whole leaderboard uh, cut line. Yeah. So walking off the 17th tee, that's when I was like, all right, oh, the round's almost over. I, I, I have to Google this guy. I just have to see if anything comes up. Um, that's when I came across the Golf Digest article where he hit three hole-in-ones in, I believe, eight days. And two of them were on par fours, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. Um but I kind of had a little giggle walking down to the fairway. And then after we finished the 17th, one of the rules officials, Vincent, um, picked me up from the green. They had two shuttles and Vincent played it off. 
really cool. He said, Hey, the shuttles are kind of dying. Like I need you to get on the cart with me and then we'll put the, all the other guys on the two shuttles. We just need to make sure the shuttles don't die before the last groups get in. Um, so on the drive up to the 18th tee box, he said, kind of tell me your quick version of the seventh hole. Um, so I filled him in and then he just said, we got him. Like we went back and found his golf ball. So I knew even going into the 18th, um, that things were going to start to unravel after the round. Um, so I decided to wait till we were in the middle of the 18th fairway to bring it up to Andrew and Grant. I said, Hey, you guys just act cool. Um, we're going to go inside. We're going to sort it out, but yeah, they found one of his golf balls. So I guess we need to go talk about it and see if this guy's proven guilty or not. Um, so yeah, chip in on 18, I don't know. I'm not rooting against the guy. I never was because, you know, it's just kind of how I am, right? You you hope guys around you want to see you succeed. So there's just a part of me that didn't want to try to shoot him down too much. Um, but we walk inside. That's when the three players go to scoring. Um, and I think as the head rules, um, what's his name, Tom, came up to me, showed me the golf ball and said, hey, why don't you go? into kind of this banquet room. Um, we're going to find Andy and grab the three guys and we'll just come chat about it. Um, so we were in there for, I'd say probably 10, 15 minutes, just going back and forth. Um, he made some comments about how he marks his golf ball. And then that's when Tom pulls out the golf ball and he changes the story to, oh, well, I hit a couple golf balls over there. Uh, yesterday in, in the practice rounds. So it's it's my golf ball, but it's not the golf ball from today. And he just kept saying, I played the golf ball um, that my caddy found. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't quit on it. Um, they were both staying strong. And that's when Tom just decided, hey, we're going to jump in the cars. There's a path basically right where his golf ball was, which was convenient. Um, so we drove out there. We were probably on the seventh hole for – 30, 35 minutes, just going back and forth. Just the story just keeps winding down different roads. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, the conversations weren't too, they were serious, but no one was yelling at each other. Um, so it wasn't anything like that, which is good. But yeah, I think everyone was just kind of tired from the week and we wanted to get out of there. So Tom kind of came to a conclusion that he had to make a few phone calls before pulling the plug and finally um DQing Matt so we all got on the road I went into Omaha to hang out with some boys that I know from Creighton um so we were able to kind of relax and enjoy the night even though we had to deal with the whole situation we were able to still celebrate accordingly um what's funny is is later on the story kind of continues and they act, act from the previous round they end up finding I think they took machetes or something on all the spots where he had entered other hazards during previous rounds and they find more of his balls and it just doesn't stop. And you even mentioned this guy had, I think I found it 32 hole in ones, um, 19 of them in the last five years, eight of them on par fives, par fours, Mike, par fours, par fours. I mean, Mike, yeah, par you, fours. you can finally get a hole in one. Finally, this is going to be my way. Yeah. But there's only been one par four hole in one in the history of the PGA tour, but this guy's got eight. Which is impressive. I'm, <laughs> but but I, it's I, yeah, go ahead, Mike. The article I think that I was reading said almost all of his home ones are on like blind par threes and par, like none like hardly any of them are just straight up somebody else saw it. So he's so he's like Kim Jong-un with his uh number of home ones here. Um so anyways, he you know he's he's obviously got I, I mean at some point I think you know he's oh, oh sir. He's this is not a young guy either. He's like 35 years old. He's like a journeyman player. So. Correct. Um, yeah, he's played on like I don't know. I'm just reading the background. I mean, he, he claimed to have worked as a club pro and stuff like that. He's been kind of bouncing around, but sorry, I was just uh, my, my phone just I was gonna ask how how where does where does you know you've kind of got the ins and outs of these tours and things. Where where do you think, you know, when this stuff goes out, where can he go from there? I mean, at this point, really, can he even enter another tournament? Um, I think that's for him to decide. I think yeah. he's in a tough spot right now. I don't know if people would let him in the golf tournament. Um, he said he spent some time 
in Cabo. So I think he's going back to Cabo and he's going to find a beach and just kind of hang out for a few days or a few weeks, whatever. Um, just kind of unwind. I'm not sure. So that's, yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Yeah, I think <laughs> Man, it's uh, I should cheat more frequently at golf and to go to the beach. I love, I yeah. love his, his storytelling excuse making. He's very quick on his feet. He could be a pharmaceutical sales rep. Don't you think Tim? <laughs> yeah, he could. <laughs> yeah like i said really nice guy um he invited me to go down to cabo a few times so i think if any of you guys want to take my invite please feel free oh, um, he asked me one more time on the eighth 18th tee he said hey just want to get your number after the round so we can hang out in cabo and i turned i looked i turned to him looked him in the face and i just said dude I don't like Cabo. I don't want to go. To Cabo, so. <laughs> you to this is right. Yeah. Obviously just find out the news that they found his golf ball. So oh. just had to. Yeah. Okay, he's like, the, he's anymore. like the guy on Shawshank Redemption where he ends up on the beach and that's his, that's his escape plan. <laughs> exactly. So, so I was trying to think of generational cheaters, right? You've got the, the Chicago Black Sox. You've got Pete Rose. Um, you know, we've got Matt Morose now. Uh, just wondering wondering if any others come to your your mind and uh if there's a hierarchy as as to what you've seen and experienced in sports to to even place this uh nothing i i can think of right now i think this will be one of the more interesting stories for golf wise um for kind of scandals so yeah nothing else is popping in, into my brain right now i well, saw we, so go ahead i was just gonna say like um, you know, as we kind of wrap up a little bit here, I was just going to ask your your future in caddings. Some you're gonna, what's your next um, event? What are you know, where's your next few months look like? Yeah. Um, so Andrew's obviously got first stage here in a few weeks, so we're gonna go back to Nebraska. Um, he's playing at the Wilderness, I believe. So that's uh, the next step for both of us. Um, I'll finish up the season here at Hazeltine. Um, and just kind of see, I'm going to ride it with Andrew, see if he can stay hot. Um, if we can sneak through a few more events at the right time, um, see where his career goes. So no, no plan set and so on for me right now. Um, I do have a degree in cybersecurity. So if I ever need to fall back on that, um, it's always going to be there, but I'm not in any rush right now. Just kind of let, letting the wind blow me around. Nice. Well, nice. anything else, Mike or Tim, yeah, that you guys want to I ask? I think I saw somebody posted on Twitter or some of there was a kid golfing maybe for Minnesota Crookston or something with the same exact name as this guy. <laughs> poor, poor, poor kid there. Everybody's oh, been Googling shit. him, but it's not the same person. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but he's in a tough spot now. Uh, I got nothing else other than I, I guess we found our internet hazel team for the podcast. <laughs> there you go. You know, I guess we can work something out. Mm -hmm. Last question. Do you think it's, is it more of a propensity for lefties to cheat or people with four letter first names? <laughs> or, uh, both, or, or both. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it's both, honestly, from what I've seen. So that's an inside joke. He's ripping on me right now. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we thank you for joining us and giving your time. I mean, you obviously had a unique perspective, one of those craziest, you know, you know, it's wild you know, golf stories that you you probably have. Cause you know, when it comes to like the PGA tour and stuff, there's a lot of cameras, there's a lot of, you know, people that can see it. There's obviously, um, um, you know, patrons that are there too, that, that see things and we're, you know, there's always guys marking balls and things like that. So, you know, when you get to these little smaller tour types of things, I'm sure a lot of this could, could potentially happen, but the fact that this happened and it's been happening apparently with this guy for many years is kind of crazy. So thanks for your perspective. Thanks for sharing your, your time. Best of luck to you and Andrew going forward. And uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, just want to want to give you a shout out for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, and the professional game live golf takes center stage, and Tim cannot be more happier. What a great tournament! <laughs> just fantastic <laughs> that you watched. I'm sure you watched tons of it. Well, that's the nice part about live. Did I get a chance to watch it on Sunday? No, because we we're we we're up in Brainerd trying out a new course, a couple new courses uh, that we'll talk about afterwards. But um, because of that, I can swing back and I can get the entire event all over the next day or maybe three days later. I can watch it whenever I want to because it's all on YouTube. Well, I uh, I had to take the L on going to Brainerd and go to the lake. 
and it was not that warm. So I stayed inside and a lot and watched the live event, uh, almost all of it on Sunday. So I am well versed on live. Got a question why you even did the drive then? I know. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and we got Jeff is here, by the way, again, still he's, but he is multitasking. We got a, we got a fantasy football draft going on at the same time. We're going to get some insights out of his, of his mind here in his, uh, what do you, what do you got going on in auction league? Yeah. In my, in my green room right now, we're just kind of trying to figure out who we're going to go with, but we are, we are, uh, we got our three keepers in and we're about ready to get this auction rolling here. So, Wait, so, so it's, it's no longer the swing lab. It's now the green room. Yeah, we're in the green room. Yeah. Okay. Me and, me and my cohorts are discussing our picks and it's that. a multi-purpose facility in Jeff's basement. It's, got, <laughs> it's, it's whatever it needs to be. Um, yeah. So back to live. Um, the golf course was pretty good. I thought you know it was the best course to watch that they've played on. I think anyway, the international. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a, a kind of like the tour seems to gravitate towards Pete Dye. A lot of the time, uh, it really is starting to feel like the live has gravitated towards a lot of these these Tom Fazio designs, which I love. And I wonder My if clubs. that's yeah, right. I wonder if that's by choice, or I'm sure you know people get hung up on the Saudi stuff. Still, I'm sure they have an issue getting um, golf courses because I know in Portland they had that issue with the members and that the members didn't like it and. Uh, so I don't, it's kind of interesting. I'd be interested to see the inside of how they pick and choose and, and, and get golf courses for the tournaments, but the golf course itself was, was pretty good on TV. I thought it had some good holes. It had a lot of, it played pretty easy though. They played, it was pretty soft and easy pins. Um, you does, really had some great ball striking out of this, this group, this, this week though. Yeah. You, are you guys? Yeah, the I, the live event was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was, um, it, yeah. I, I, it was their best yet. Let's put it that way. It was their best yet by far. I thought, and I've watched a, most a little bit of all of them, but easily their best. They uh, they had some drama for the first time at the end, their first like close close finish where they went to a playoff and and DJ buried an eagle putt that would have went like fifteen feet by if it wouldn't hit the hole. Did you see that thing, like yep. rattle in? Um, yep. But that playoff could have been better even. They came down. Cam Smith hit a tee shot into the woods behind like a stick and bogeyed his second to last hole, I believe it was, to miss the playoff by one. Lee Westwood was super hot. He was eight under with like three to play and hit a terrible, terrible on his last hole. He needed a birdie to get in the playoff, I think. Yeah, and hit an awful approach that with a wedge into a bunker, like just yep. terrible. Something we would do. Um, well, then Lahiri missed the putt too, leading up. He could have yeah. won it outright. Lahiri made an, a great three wood or whatever he hit in there in a par five and missed like a ten footer for eagle, lipped out. Yeah, but the thing is, well, let's go back to Westwood quick with the shorts and the high socks. Westwood was completely rocking the. Um, I'm one of the oldest guys in the field look and i'm gonna look that way too with the high socks and the shorts like it was atrocious just atrocious you just needed a whistle around his neck to complete God, it. Was it it was bad it was so well, bad coach was out there but i will get patrick on the live now no one wants to see all those sketchers i mean I, you got to cover some sketchers up with some pants at least i will give live credit for the shorts that's a good that's a great move everybody knows in the summertime pants are the most overrated thing in the world when it comes to golf there's no point to wear them at all uh, until the temperatures get down below 60. Some would argue that you need pants because if you're going to hit it into the trees and into the tall grass, <laughs> it's best to wear pants so your legs don't get itchy. It's just really future prepping for my golf round. Uh, but uh, with the little event, so the new players showed out. Cam Smith is right there. Um, Jocko was right, was in the playoff, right? Yep. Him yep. and Lahiri. And Lahiri. So they're, you know, they're, they're big dogs that they just got, played well, and they needed to play well. Um, I did find, you will disagree with this, there's a couple issues. A couple issues popped up finally with the shotgun start. And when there is a close, this is the first time they've had a really close finish of the four events. The other three have been kind of a couple shot wins. And an issue they had as I was watching it live as it was happening you had 
Let's see. Dustin Johnson finished on 18, I believe. And But you had Lee Westwood and Cam Smith out on other holes. I think they were on like two and three or somewhere like that. Uh, as they're finishing holes and their second, like for Cam Smith, his second to last hole, I can't remember what it was, but he, you know, the hole that, that ended his chances, there was like no fans watching because they've all congregated on the 18th green. And these guys are out on the golf course somewhere and there is nobody there. It's just like an empty hole where they're trying to, they're trying to like Lee West was trying to make birdie in the last hole to get into a playoff. And there's nobody around. It's just like empty ghost town. It's the most bizarre thing ever. I don't know if you watched on, on Friday at all, but the viewership looked great out on the course. And they did make mention that because of some of the extended routing and because of the tree cover, uh, they couldn't get the infrastructure into some of the greens or tee box spaces where you'd normally have stands and see people. They were almost actively asking people not to congregate by certain holes. So that could play a factor, but I agree. I mean, you always want to get down to the 18th um, to, to try to watch people come in and, and make their win. However, at least it disperses the fans. So you get to kind of roll the dice on who you want to watch. Well, it does. It's, so it's really easy to disperse the fans when no one's there and, and no one's at these things comparative to like a PGA tour event. Now, maybe that's by design. I don't know if they don't, if, if they don't have enough tickets or what, if they're not selling enough or if they're not letting enough out there, but like, it looked like in the playoff, there's a lot of fans in that hole because everybody's on one hole. But if you watch the whole event, it's pretty sparse. It's like it's like one to two rows deep on a lot of holes, you know, whereas a normal tour event would have many more people. But and I don't know if that matters or not. But the, another issue I thought came up with the shotgun a little bit is with the team event, because you're watching it and aces won again. They've won three in a row. Their team is the best by far. They don't. It's not even competitive, really. Um, Let's talk about dynasties, right? The New England <laughs> Patriots, but, the uh, Boston Celtics, <laughs> the 90s Bulls, and now the four aces. The aces, yeah. We are witnessing history in the making. They, uh, But I think the shotgun start with the team aspect makes it difficult because you had, I think at one point the aces were down and, and then I think Patrick Reed eagled the hole and they got up and, um, you know, to me, the team aspect would be way better if it was a normal tea time. So you had a guy, you had a, the final group coming up 18 and, you know, the guy in the aces is one shot ahead of a guy in the, whatever the cliques, which they'll never be in contention because their team's terrible. But, um, and, and there, and there you're looking at a leaderboard saying, okay, I got to birdie this, but they don't know. These guys are just all randomly out there playing and nobody knows what the hell is going on on the golf course for team score. Really? It's just kind of, only sporadic. the fans know it's kind only of, the fans. it's kind of sporadic. So it's, it'd be, it'd be a lot more drama if they knew, you know, and there, and there's like one hole left with one group left out there and you got the guys out there saying, Hey, you got to make a birdie here or whatever. Um, that would be much more drama to me. It was a good team finish though. Uh, I think what the, the Ironheads and the four aces were tied with something like two holes left and two of the guys on the Ironheads make either bogey par or they should have had a birdie par or it's like a, a bogey bogey, something of the sort to drop two shots they to did. the other team. It was yep. good. Like I, I honestly, um, I don't mind the team aspect of the whole thing. I just don't necessarily like how it's done. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Why I don't, I like it, but I don't like it. It's kind of weird. It's kind of intriguing at times. I, I just wish it came down to like one hole where everybody's, you know, where you know what's going on. But some of these teams too, by the way, are terrible. There's no chance. The high flyers have zero chance. Phil Mickelson finally did shoot under par once for the first time in like his live career. The $200 million man can't break par, uh, but their team is bad. Burned Wiesberger. Cameron Tringale and Matthew Wolf, who was good, but then ended up breaking his putter and throwing it into like a pond or something because he couldn't make a putt. So he blew up punch. The Australian team has two good players, Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, and then Matt Jones and Wade Ormsby. So they have no chance unless well, they're, they're working on Adam Scott. They're working on Adam Scott. Um, Smash also has no chance. Kepka 
Jason Kokrak, solid player, but then Peter Uline and Chase Kepka, who's only in this thing because of his brother, you know, which leads to another thing. Another issue I think they're going to run into is let's say they keep adding players that are good. I would be willing to bet that they have made a deal with Brooks Kepka. He got in there. It's probably in a contract somewhere that Chase Kepka will be on his team. You cannot call yourself an elite golf league if you have the if you're supposed to have the 48 best players and you have Chase Kepka in there because he 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 couldn't even get his PGA Tour card. So they have an issue there. Um, the cliques are the worst team in the hit. You could put a four good amateurs out there and beat the cliques. Martin Keimer over the hill, Graham McDowell as dead as his clothing company. Uh, Lori Cantor, don't even know who that is. And Richard Bland, who, who had a little bit of notoriety this last year because he won whatever, but that is a terrible team. They're never in contention at any of these events. They're awful. There's the four aces. I just, huh? just want to read this leaderboard, though. It's, right? It was good. Johnson, Lahiri, Neiman, Westwood, Smith, Gooch, Kokrak, Answer, Garcia. I mean, those are top names. Those oh, would have oh. That would have been a loaded leaderboard. Two years ago, one hundred percent. They, they're so their 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 forty eight man field is top heavy with like what ten guys maybe that are that are good, you know, ten to twelve. The problem they run into compared to like a PGA Tour is the bottom half have zero chance. There's they're they're never going to compete. Like look at this team, the Majestics. Westwood did well; he played well, but then Sam Horsfield. Who has one on the DP World Tour? Shergo Alcurdy. There's no way on earth that Shergo Alcurdy is going to compete in one of these events. He's a he's a fill-in from the Middle East. For the he's probably from Saudi Arabia. I don't know. Let's click on him. Oh, he's from England. That's crazy. Shergo Alcurdy. He's from England. He's got one professional win somewhere. Um. Oh, his dad's from Jordan, so that's where he's from. But he's he has no chance of competing. Um, who else we got? The Crushers. The Crushers could be really good if Bryson decided to actually golf again, because they got Bryson, Chucky, Three Sticks, Paul Casey, and Lahiri. Stingers won early; they're solid. And the Ironheads, who are terrible, but they somehow almost won this thing. Kevin Na, Saddam, Siwon Kim, who shot eighty-seven, sixty-three, and then what? What? I don't know what he shot again the third day. 76. 76. Yeah, I saw that. He plays like me. Just bipolar. He's just bipolar. Fantastic. He should be checked for bipolar disorder because that was bizarre. Oh, that's um, exactly how I shoot. Your new that's favorite. Wonderful. Your new favorite player. And then they got Pachara Kong Wat. They got no chance. The fireballs should be good, but they've been bad. The Niblicks. Terrible. This team has no chance. Harold Varner. Hudson Swafford, Turk Pettit, and James Piat. They have no chance of winning ever. And then Torque. Torque has Jocko, Scott Vincent, Adrian Otagwe, and Jediah Morgan. Zero chance. So uh, no wonder that four aces win. It's like a dynasty with a, with one professional team playing against a bunch of minor league teams. So so how do you suggest they bring parity into live golf? How do we, you know, sports is about parity or about dynasties. I mean, that's that's kind of the two debates back and forth. So how what do they what do they do to get back to the mean where you don't have a bunch keep, of scrubs and and they gotta keep swiping players? Keep signing. That's yep. the only way. I mean, but that's the crab part about this thing, like to me. And I and I don't I don't even get into the politics of it. It just it's gonna end up being a, a watered down product on both ends. You're just not gonna have all the best players in one spot anymore. They're going to be except so, for ma- except for majors if they're allowed to play, you know. But it's just going to be watered down, which has never worked. At least in now, this is more of a, a global game. But in the United States, they've tried this in every sport: the NBA and the ABA. The ABA had to fold and merge. Um, the NFL football has tried the AFL, the XFL, a bunch of different things. They never work. That people want one. They want the best, the best league with the best players. So golf, maybe it's a little more global, could work, but I don't know. So here in a couple of weeks, uh, we still haven't heard back. So if anyone listening out there knows anyone over at Retardibus Farms or that's helping with the setup or the coordination of the event at 
the Chicago Live Tour event. Please let us know. Uh, we'd love to try to figure out if we're getting media credentials or we're not, just so we can try to coordinate travel schedules and where we can stay or um, what part of the city is best and if we can try to get a couple of golf rounds in. That being said, leading up to that week, we're going to have Fortinet as well uh, on the PGA side. So, Mike, would you rather watch <laughs> no, every I would round not of the Fortinet no. or every round of, of no. Live Golf Chicago? Of course not. But our, our guy Callum is going to be playing in the Fortinet. So, um, but <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But that's – so. So that's going to be changing though. That's what the, one of the PGA tour changes is basically the fall season after the tour championship is going to be done. It's, it's so meaningless. Gonna, it's meaningless. It's pointless, but that's one of the big changes, but yeah, we're going to be, we're, we're thinking we might be down in Chicago. So if you're a listener and you uh, have any recommendations, of course, to play or some connections to some private clubs that we get on, we would love to, uh, do that. I know Tim, you need to play Cog Hill at Dubs Dread for your top hundred list, correct? Correct. Yep. I and Century World on the way down. Oh my God. I have played Dubs Dread. I would like to play Dubs Dread again. It's fun, fun course. Um my idea was to try to somehow get on Butler National, one of the renowned, most difficult courses in the country, to see if anybody can break 80. Go with the with the podcast uh, the podcast spiel here. Well, uh, after I what if... I learned earlier today with our interview, uh, I'm absolutely going to break eighty. <laughs> yeah, of course, with all the <laughs> cheating aspects. Um, but I have played Rich Harvest Farms before, twice actually. I played thirty six holes in one day there. So the live event, I know the golf course. Uh so yeah, it'd be fun to get out there. It'd be fun to get back and see the uh, the owner Jerry Rich has a private car collection on site with like 17 Ferraris or Lamborghinis. I can't remember what they are. And like, uh, oh man, he's got the Smokey and the Bandit car and he's got an Indy car. And it's pretty wild when I was, when I played there, I got the whole tour. So yeah, either hopefully we'll come down either has media access or just to go to the event and we can give people a good idea of what it's like. I am. I'm not opposed to just going to the event either if we can. So. I also, I heard the Chicago Golf Club is supposed to be okay. Oh, my God. I would give a pinky finger. If somebody could get us on Chicago Golf Club, I would lop off my pinky finger. <laughs> yeah, that would be great content. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it would oh, be like on that on uh, website. There's, what was that show on HBO? Have you ever seen like the Yakuza on some of those like gangs in, in Japan where you screw up, they take they, they make you cut your own finger off? I'd be just lopping off my pinky finger to get on Chicago Golf Club. <laughs> I mean that that is that is the the whole eye for an eye punishment is uh, a way that they do it in a lot of part of the world. Um, because I'm pro live, I won't mention which parts of the world still <laughs> operate uh, disciplinary styles that way. That's what I'm wondering if uh, if that one get the guy that shot 87, if he maybe got the old you better play better or you might be done for, and then he shot the old 63 or whatever the next day. Um, but yeah, Chicago's. We, we got to figure out if we're gonna if we go, where we're gonna play. We got to be in the sticks, of course. Yeah. Um, my other thought is that the U of uh, U of W course, Madison's supposed to be quite good as well. Um, so an option there to play a golf week, top one hundred on the way down. But uh, Chicago has some public golf, but based on population density and size, it not not, not a lot. Not as good as Minneapolis, Twin Cities area, public golf. There's a few There's a few spots we can go. Um, Jeff, draft update. Do we have players yet? Uh, I just started. Oh. So we, we, of course, have pushed back again another 15 minutes because some some technical issues. So those phone calls you hear in the background, it's just it's the green room operating. So anytime you hear a phone call in this podcast, it's my, my, uh, my inside sources trying to give me some tips. If you're uh, envisioning things, listeners, have you ever seen the movie Draft Day? He's like Kevin. He's like Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, just you know, swinging trades, making moves, trying to get running backs and wide receivers. I would, I would go uh, wide receiver early and heavy. But um, I was thinking to look more like when PBS was trying to raise funds. <laughs> <laughs> the listener drive month. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So um, in pro golf, you know, the, the PGA Tour had nothing, but. We had the Corn Fairy Finals, and we we have twenty five guys moving on. 
I think more notably, let's talk about the guys who aren't moving on. Sean O'Hara is still trying to grind it out there. Didn't make it. Former former uh, John Deere Classic winner. Yeah, your course. Von Taylor yep. didn't make it. Camilo Vajegas, who was on the leaderboard, and then he, I don't know what happened there, didn't make it. Bill Haas, I believe. Did Bill Haas not win the Tour Championship one year? He is not. He is not back on the Tour. Martin Trainer and Tommy Two Gloves Ganey still on uh, the Corn Ferry. That guy just can't catch a break. Can't catch a break. I know. Chris Goddard up, uh, who had some who had some good runs there in the PG Tour, still not on the Tour, and uh, Pearson Cootie did not get on the tour. He was hot at the end of the year. I, I really wish, I think going forward, if we're talking live and issues and whatever, the PGA tour is going to have to do a better job of getting some of those guys like Pearson Cootie up there faster because Pearson Cootie didn't play the full corn Ferry season. He came, I think he came out of college, didn't he in the spring or something? Mm-hmm. And he was great. Played a bunch of events, did really well. He, they should have just said, "Screw it, you're on the PGA Tour next year. Just get up here." Like, like, but I, he's one that's he's one that stated he wants to play in the PGA Tour. He doesn't want to go to live, but you know, if they throw you sixty million dollars, it's hard to turn it down. Um, but you know, you look at the guys who made it. Uh, we got Will Gordon, number one. He was a Vanderbilt player, I believe, in the U.S. Am Finals, the Pinehurst year, maybe. David Lingmurth, he's a PGA Tour guy before. Austin Eck wrote PGA Tour maybe a year or two ago. Some other guys that made it, Dean Burmeister, Austin Cook, Nick Hardy. I believe Jeff picked Nick Hardy in a, one of the pick segments this year for a sleeper, didn't you, somewhere in Vent or something? Um, Ryan Armour is back on the PGA Tour. That's a name that's from the past. And kind of the cool story at the number 25 spot was Kyle Westmoreland, who's an Air Force um, a, a military veteran, I think it was Air Force, and he uh, got back into professional golf and made the PGA Tour. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the big big news in looking at some of the ages, I've got a, a 40-year-old, 41-year-old making it, a 32 and a 33-year-old all making it. So, boys, our dreams aren't dead yet. Yeah, well, I'm 41 in March, so. And my game is completely lost. We're, it's just, it's lost. If we go to, let's say we were to get on Butler National, which is like, I texted my buddy who, who knows all the golf course stuff and he's really in the end. He goes, he said, Oakmont and Butler national are two courses that could be us open ready tomorrow if need to be. And I thought, Oh my God, my game is so bad right now. That could get ugly. Um, but, you just have to play, play up to play up to your course. Like I do. Yeah. Like your matches. So the chatter Jeff is that this is your, not the sec. That's a good segue. You guys are what? Three and three in your head to head matches after Craigans, Correct. That is correct, but I can throw in there. Tim was too scared to play me at Loggers Trail, and I smoked him. So, <laughs> okay, well, t- yes, because Tim had the Tim back. back on. I, Tim, I was, Tim, was, yeah, I was Tim was doing, doing that. I was, was doing, doing Matt Moreau's back stretches over at Loggers. I mean, just, you, know. <laughs> you can hear. I don't care what course you plan. I would never say. I, I would never back down. I I always will have confidence at least to say that. Oh, I can you got to play, yeah, absolutely. But the chatter, the chatter here is that Timmy, kind of like Brooks Kepka in his prime, is a big game hunter on the big on the big tracks. On the big time difficult tracks, Tim is three and zero. Is this true? Yeah. So, so the listeners out there, my my three winning courses right now are the Quarry, uh, Landman, and Craigan's new Layman eighteen. For for my three match play Ws against Jeff and um, Jeff, you've got which ones I have do no you idea. have? I have no idea where I won. I just put the tee in the ground and swing. <laughs> <laughs> So he's he's uh so Brooks Kepka here, Timmy Tim Brooks Kepka here is a big game hunter. He's all about the big tracks. Jeff is Jeff is deep in the process here. He's he's on to like wide receiver 16 on the big board. <laughs> Any picks yet? Any picks? No, I've not. This, this is an auction, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a it's a matter of I've got to give a lot of attention every single person because I've I've got money to bid and and um, right now these guys are going for a lot of money and I just can't do it. So Jonathan Taylor go the biggest money. Jonathan Taylor's already owned, so it's a keeper. He's got a keeper. I think he was like uh, twenty something dollars. Now we have a hundred dollar budget. I think a lot of people do a two hundred dollar budget, but it's our, ours is only hundred. So we've got a, you know, it's kind of like a, a finance class. You got to learn how to, you know, fit your budget and which you're going to strategy you're going to use. Are you going to blow all your money on one guy, and you know, are you going to spread it out? It's kind of a, a, a tough, tough deal to figure out. 
has somebody it's transitory. It's transitory. Timmy, talk, give, give him the breakdown of the new Kragans. Yeah, so I, I wasn't necessarily that familiar with the previous 18 that was there. It wasn't called the Layman 18, no, was it, the, Jeff? They, they had Bobby's well, and, they Bobby's had and Dutch. Dutch. Bobby and Dutch, yeah. Yep. And, you know, it beautiful place, nice staff. Their website needs a little work. Um, very confusing to try to jump in there and make a tea time. It's not labeled. If you do want to play the new 18, it's, uh, it's 3-1 when you book on their tea time website. Uh, but what? yeah, that what does that mean? Yeah, I have no idea. No. I had to call. <laughs> I had to, I had to call like like a seventy five year old grandpa, just confused about what the internet is, because uh, I had no idea how to use it or operate it. Um, that being said, I it, I think Jeff would agree when we got there, a very spacious first couple holes or first hole, um, first two drives really that kind of ease you into the course that feels a little bit like, uh, like Deacons or like, um, like the classic with some of the waterside holes, big white sand bunkering, uh, very, very new sand, some new sod and big bunker walls. So a kind of a classic, uh, feel with just the size of bunkering and the placement of bunkering, but certainly starts to have some teeth as we played it one tee up at just under 7,100 yards. Had we played it all the way back, I think it would have been just a hair under 7,600 yards. They just had a uh, Canadian, Canadian tour event there, so they had pros playing back there. Yep, correct. And again, it, we got up to the first couple greens. Mikey would have loved them. They are probably rolling to 11 and a half, 12s. It's better. That's getting there. I want 13. Every, every course, 13. <laughs> every Every course needs to be a 13. So, I want to so any, I want to be able to just get it online and not worry about anything. But any any greenskeeper out there, if your course is not at a 13, is not fast enough. Just um, uh, here's my here's my advice. Mow them shorter and roll them. You all have money. Every golf course is making golf courses have been printing money for three years straight now. Just freaking get the greens rolling. Don't give a shit what the 80-year-old members want. Get them rolling like the actual golfers want. <laughs> that's my take um, but I was just going to say like, go ahead, I was just going to say Tim just because I, I had actually played the previous Kragans so I kind of know what it looked like from the aesthetics and stuff and they take a portion of some of the greens from the old Kragans and they've kind of worked it around to use some of those greens and then they've also built new greens so I think Tim and I could easily tell the ones that were from the old you know, Bobby's and Dutch somewhere in the, in the 36 holes that were there. And then some of the newer greens that they had um, because they were substantially faster on the, on the older greens and the, the new ones that they put in. So that was one thing that, you know, we kind of had a hard time kind of figuring out. Um, sometimes they were fast, sometimes they were slower, but that's, that's what new, we talked about Landman too. The, the, the greens are not going to be lightning, you know, speed um, being a, a, a fresh course. Yep. I think even the newer ones were probably still at 10, 10 and a half, but certainly when we got to those older, more mature greens, they were, they were certainly moving. Um, I think what whole number, the par fives really stuck with me. So uh, that first par five, really kind of a chokehold into where you want to lay up. Um, you're at nearly 600 yards. So you're going to be laying up into it unless you're Mike and you bomb one down there. Uh, but really starts to narrow with water on the left and trees, sorry, water on the right and trees on the left. Uh, and then a, an elevated green uh, from your layup position that's well bunkered on the left and has a, a fall off kind of face to the water on the right. Um, and then the other one had almost a serpentine shape to the green where you had to, to really hug it up way over the right side over a group of trees um, if you wanted to keep it in the fairway if you, you hit it more than 280 yards. So some really tough par fives that I, I think I had hard three or maybe all four of them. I think I had a monster putt that, that puts you away on one of them there, Jeff. Um, yeah. So I think I went even par on the par fives, but I didn't reach a single one even close into. In fact, it, I think I, I one putted two of them or three of them. It looked like some of the bunker faces had the Scottish style. That was sweet. They do. Yeah, they uh, they have um, the stack sod 
instead yeah. of doing ties or anything like that. So either completely flash flash face bunkering or the stack sod, which is really cool. So are they down to just 18 holes there now, or do they keep nine and do they have something else? They, they've got more. Yeah, they've got more. They got the Lehman course and they got some other holes. I think they're adding like another nine holes. There's, there's still a lot more to go there. I mean, there's, they're not fully finished. I think next, I think they said next summer they'll be fully done, I think. But yep. um, kind of going off of Tim's par fives, I was just not a fan of them. I just, you know, I, I realized we were playing from 7,100 yards, but it just seemed like it's it's th- those holes that's almost like you can't go for it, and then the layup also sucks. You know what I mean? It's like there's if you can't go for it, have an easier layup. If you if you if you have a hard layup, let somebody like think about going for it. You know, and at this point, none of us could really get there. Too, I think Pat got close on one of them. You know, rolled one up there two seventy away or something like that. But really, none of us really even had a chance to get on in two. So it was you know when you play a course, you're like ah oh, maybe I'll get a birdie in a par five. Well, it's just they were. So they the, kind of choke in a little bit too. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just they're all like I think the group, they were they're all like they're all like seven at Wild Marsh, huh? Just weird. <laughs> well, yeah, but that that's like that that at least has a decent layup, I guess. I mean, yeah, well, if you like, if you like laying low. up to 160 yards out on a par five, yeah, well, that's but what you really, had to do. That's the yeah. thing though. That that's that's kind of the only strategy it gives you, and that's why it's not a great hole because many people are never going to be able to go for that in two. And that's the same thing. It's not. That's why it's 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 a it's a visually nice hole at Wild Marsh, but it's just not a a great hole because there's just really never a chance. So but, then, okay, so then you mosey down over to the gravel pit, correct? The gravel yep. pit. That was uh, Tim. How about you go? I'm trying to bid for uh, somebody here. Who are we yeah. working on? Hold on. Who are we working on? This guy Lamar Jackson, I just feel like he's gonna have a bounce back here. Yeah, could be four dollars out of four bucks out of a hundred dollars. I think that's a good oh, buy. Four bucks for a quarterback, absolutely for a starting quarterback for sure. Okay, Timmy, gravel pit, go. <laughs> gravel pit. Uh, so a lot of the same shaping. Um, in fact, I think they brought, they may have brought the shaper or one of the designers that that had done, um, the classic over. Uh, but really, really rugged shaping felt like a tobacco road or a quarry with how they move the dirt left a lot of fescue in place and really had these natural but unnaturally large slopes so every green complex was absolutely gnarly and and not to the, the point where it was huge but to the point that it had such big features on small putting surfaces um or or a little bit larger putting surfaces that it just made putting uh, an amusement ride. It was an absolute amusement ride. I know in one, uh, I think we called it the half pipe. Uh, the pin sat the bowling alley. The, you called it the bowling alley. The bowling alley. It sat at the very edge of what was almost a half pipe with two large, um, large plateaus above, and and the pin was actually all the way below, at the very end of the bowling alley. And you could roll it up on both sides of this this bowling alley half pipe all the way down uh, to get to the the flag stick. So none of the green complexes necessarily had a template to them, but boy, did they have tiering and break and tons of personality out there. That made it a lot of fun once you got to the green. That's what you need at a par, for a par three course. I think you you can't just have benign flat greens and expect people to want to come back. Yeah. So, so I think if you look at if you look at all the par three courses we played in the last few weeks here, Desert Mountain Seven had that some crazy greens, um, probably not like crazy gravel pit. Mountain Shadows maybe didn't, but that was more the vibe. Um, but if you look at some of the par three courses around the the country that are famous, that, that's kind of the deal, right? You got crazy greens, make it fun, make it in, entertaining. Um, and yeah, these were bigger than um, Mountain Shadows. Yeah the uh, the pictures you guys had look great. Everything I've yeah. seen in gravel pit looks great. I gotta get up there sometime. It was um, it was really fun too, just in the the yardages. So uh, we went everywhere from just under two hundred yards, I believe, uh, as short as I want to say forty. No, 40 70, yards. seventy was like fifty-eight. Uh, that, uphill, uphill fifty-eight or yeah, there we go. That was yeah. my my favorite part of the sandbox when we played it there a couple years ago. Was that nothing was more than like one fifty? That had forty yards. Once you could putt, it had. Everything was short wedges. Those are the most fun, I think, to me, are the ones where it's all like 
120 and in with crazy shots and slopes and uh, you could play that every this day. One, this one had, I think it must've gone up about 25 feet, Jeff, uh, 40, yeah. 58 yards, but it was pretty much just a straight flop shot off the tee. Just nice. open the face and, and very unfortunately for shot. me, yeah, a blade across the green. Do we have any updates from the so, draft room? I just got Mike Evans. I feel like he's going to have a big year. Um, yeah. I know they got some other wide receivers in the, you know, in the, you know, the wide receiver crew. I think uh, was a Julio Jones is there now, and, and Godwin is one hundred percent even. So I feel like he's Mike playing. Evans is going to be that staple. I noticed staple. you didn't pick Kirk Cousins. Is that Evans? because you don't have faith in the? Um, Kirk Cousins is. I yeah. I I just yeah. I'm not going to do it. Evans is safe though. Touchdown guy. As long as he's healthy. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Make sure you get Speaking... KJ Osborne. Get KJ Osborne late. Vikings third row receiver is a big. That's a big position coming out of the LA Rams kind of offense. KJ is going to get a lot of Ooh. targets this year. Okay. KJ Osborne. So back to gravel pit because I think we need to do them a, a a good justice on this. The course was wonderful. The staff was exceptionally friendly to us. Um, we finished up our round really told us to jump out for a few more extra holes for fun. And by the time we got back in, they would turn on the lights to the putting group. So uh, it's, I want to say what, a 13 holer as well uh, out in the putting green, but, but honestly, some, some holes out there that you can't even hope to get close to again, just wild breaking putts and, had an absolute blast, Pat, listener and friend of the show, uh, successfully putted eight times at one of the holes Damn, uh, where Pat. it just kept coming coming up a little bit short of this hill at the very top and, and rolled right on back down. Wait, uh, wait, it was on hole 12 with, a two, stroke, on with the... a two stroke lead on hole 12. He eight putted. Two stroke lead. Yep. He eight putted. Left the door open for me, baby. I uh I feel like my presence was missed because I would have been rocking the classic Wu Tang Clan Jam gravel pit. Uh, if you if, you can Google that song. If, uh, yeah, yeah, I know okay, what that is. If you're okay with some language. Um. Okay. Well, that kind of wraps it up, I suppose, for this week for us. Um, we're kind of we're gonna go by the on the seat of our pants next week, aren't we, boys? There's not a whole lot of golf things going on in the golf world next week, so. Hey, we get some listeners to send us a few uh, DMs with see what they want to hear, what what you want to hear us talk about, because there's not a ton going on. Well, our trip to Century World. Oh my God! <laughs> the golf so course I'm, where you the golf course where you only ever see one hole because of the flowers, nothing else. It's it's one of the only ones that's suburb in the Midwest. I just I want to feel these greens. Oh God, they'll probably roll on ten. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, send us some. Um, Send us some, you know, messages, what you want to hear, follow us, subscribe, like all that good stuff. But that's it. That's it for this uh, episode. All right. I'm Jeff. trying to wrap up Mixon right now. I'm trying to get Mixon. All right. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I got to keep it on the 80. It's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.